0: preview along with a hot topic sound off. Joining me for today's show is our co-host Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. Uh, There for a minute with all the on-track action we've had, I thought you said it was a preview of the WWF.
0: (laughs) Well, that's debatable, I will say that. Uh, Okay, let's just say in our first half hour, we are going to start with some short track news, and next we're going to review the Arkham Arts Series race that's going to take place out at Portland International Raceway uh, this weekend, so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, At the top of the hour, uh, let's see here. Uh, Yeah, at the top of the hour, Uh, We will get into our NASCAR Truck Series at uh, WWT Gate Raceway, and then uh, we'll do the Xfinity Series out at Portland, and then we're back to WWT Raceway for the Cup Series, all previews of the racing that's taking place this weekend. So it's a little bit of back and forth as far as racetracks this weekend, but uh, we've got a lot to cover, Jay.
1: Yeah, again, another big weekend of racing, all three of NASCAR's top series as well, as you mentioned, the Arkham Nard Series West, which will include some crossovers with the Xfinity series like we thought, so
0: Okay. Now we will do our hot topic sound off discussion today, but the rest of our Fan for Racing crew was not available for the podcast today. So it's just gonna be Jay and myself. Uh so it probably is not gonna go as long as we normally go. We might be done. Uh, within that half hour there, Jay, and save some of these uh, hot topics because some of these are really hot for our Monday night show.
1: Well, and I know a couple of um, Mike and Andy uh, chimed in on a couple of them. That we said we'd represent them, but you're right. It is always better when they can uh, express their own opinion. So you and I go back and forth a little bit, kind of put the points, but I do think someone we might need to readdress when we have the whole crew here.
0: Exactly right. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with some short track news. We'll start over at Racing America. Uh, They have a lot of uh, great articles over there that includes a lot of the NASCAR uh, activities as well. But uh, let's start with Majeski topping the ASA Stars National Tour point standings after Hickory. Uh, He's uh, contending for a championship in both the Truck Series as well as this ASA Stars National Tour.
1: You know, this was a big story when we started this season that he was going to, depending on how these first races went, um, attempt to run make a run for the championship here with the stars tour, uh, and now he sits atop the point. So I, I get the feeling that he's a uh, full full bore on go for that.
0: Yeah, I get that feeling too, Jay. I think uh, he's very serious about doing that, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch him as he continues to uh, go along those lines. Um, so, also, the cars late model stock car tour is going to head out to Langley uh, for Saturday's race. Uh, following the postponement of the Old North the State Nationals, the 100th race for the Cars Tour Late Model Stock Division, uh, they've decided that that's going to take place out at Langley Speedway, uh, and be part of the VisitHamptons.com 125, uh, there this weekend. So, um I'm trying to find a date and time. I don't know if you see it, Jay. For some reason, I can't
1: see the date. Yeah, I don't see a date in that article. It uh, just said Saturday. I will say this. For fans that are there for this Saturday, get to see it. Um, if you can, go out and support it. I know from a track and a series aspect, rescheduling these races, again, it's not just a matter of, oh, we'll reschedule it. You know, There's a lot that goes into it, especially to try and get the same race Um, that they had initially scheduled. I know a lot of times drivers can't make it. So you're going to go out and uh, um, support it if you were there for that weekend anyway. There's, what, 29 cars listed, but, yeah, I do not see a time for it. Okay,
0: yeah, for some reason that's uh, not in the article. So, uh, but it, we know it's taking place Saturday. Uh, you can always call the track and, and get the details, but uh, I agree with uh, Jay. If you get a chance to support the local short tracks, get out there to the track and do it. Uh, it really means more than you can imagine uh, to, to give that kind of support to, the, to these local short tracks. Uh, Jay, I'm going to move over to Flow Racing at this point. Uh, They've got a how-to guide, Flow Racing Digital Collectibles High Limit Card Game. So there's a game that they're putting out there, uh, and they give you all the details of how you can uh, take part uh, in this card game and uh, be a part of it. So I really encourage people to head over to Flow Racing and check that out because I think that's going to be a lot of fun.
1: This is one of those uh, we've talked about it on several topics when it comes to coverage and everything of the new generation Uh, engaging with new fans, I think is part of it. And I think it also then ties in your, your older fans that like to gamble. This isn't necessarily gamble, but just be a part of it in interactive. So I think it's a good thing. Um, I will have to check that out. But like I said, I, I, I appreciate the innovation that they're doing to try and engage fans.
0: Exactly. So this is just uh, one of those ways that they're doing that. Also, Kyle Larson goes back to back with the High Limit Sprint Car Series at Tri City out at uh, Granite City, Illinois. Uh, he banked thirty-one thousand twenty-three dollars in the dirt dice roll on Wednesday's uh, race at Tri City Speedway. I said Granite, and I mean I meant it's in Granite City, Illinois, but the track is called Tri City. So pretty cool to see Kyle Larson uh, getting out there at the short tracks. That was a race that took place on Wednesday night. Uh, it was part of the 35-lap uh, feature race that took place out of Granite City, Illinois.
1: Well, and this is one of the ironic things here is he had just picked up his first high-limit sprint car series win, and now he's gone back-to-back. Uh, you know, that's one of those of bad news for the competition as he is just a uh, on top of his game and willing to go out and like you said race during the week on a Wednesday night.
0: Exactly right. Uh other drivers that were there, the, uh, Rico Abreu was at that track. He finished uh he he led 9 laps through 27 and finished uh, 1.655 seconds behind Larson. So uh really cool to see uh that um, uh Rico Abreu
1: is out there racing a lot of these tracks, too. And he's one that, yeah, returning to the, uh, to the sprint car world, I know he ran with the Truck Series. Um, I felt did solid, um, but didn't have the funding and wasn't at the same level he is in the sprint cars. We've seen him in the sprint cars and midgets, just absolutely dominant, so kind of returning back to his roots there. Having a lot of fun with it, too, if you follow him on social media.
0: Exactly. Now, this weekend, uh, West Virginia Motor Speedway's Historic 100 next is next for the Lucas Oil Late models. They're going to be racing on June 2nd and 3rd out at uh, Virginia Motor Speedway. So that's uh, another race uh, that we'd really encourage fans to go over. Uh, they're chasing a combined weekend purse of over $180,000 during that Historic 100. So very cool.
1: And that That is one, although I'm working this weekend, I'll be at another track with some super late models at Jackson Motor Speedway. I will definitely be keeping an eye on um, at all times. Our, our race director actually normally has it on as well.
0: <laughs> I bet he does. Um, okay, now June 8th and 10th through the 10th. Uh, they have an article here what to know about Eldora Speedway for the Dirt Light Model Dream uh, races that are coming up during that weekend it's out in Rossburg Ohio June 8th through the 10th so everything you need to know about that race is posted over at Flow Racing as well
1: all you need to know about Eldora is you want to go (laughs) that's all I can say about that
0: (laughs) absolutely okay, the last five minutes here for our short track news we'll head over to short track scene um and uh, the modified all star picked up his uh uh picked up a win for uh, derby <laughs> they call it, they're saying derby dominance um with a dry spell the league granite state derby dominance uh, matt Hirschman. Uh, was the race winner there and he really had a good run uh, in this race. So you want to read all about it over at uh, Short Track Scene by Jeff Brown.
1: And that's one if you're familiar with the modifieds at all, uh, Matt Hirschman's name is going to be in the record books plastered all over the NASCAR Wheelin' Modified series because he has just been a staple in that series. Uh, unfortunately, again, I've always come close, but not been able to see these modified runs that's on my bucket list. Uh, technically they are the highest horsepower car in NASCAR.
0: Yes, indeed. So you know that those cars can run. Um, Another race that's coming up here, and the entry list just keeps growing, is the SRL National Race that's going to be taking place out at Berlin Speedway uh, during the week, or Raceway, during the week of June 6th to the 7th. So another race that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Carson Hotevar actually has a championship out at the Berlin track. So uh, let me see if he's on this list. There's a lot of names we know on this list of drivers, uh, but I don't see Carson on the list. So Oh, yes, he is. He is on the entry list. So he'll be racing there that weekend as well.
1: As well as Cup Series driver Eric Jones. I know he was one that we talked about listed, Derek Griffith. Um, has creeped up to the top levels. We've seen his name a couple of times, um, but there's some other names in there again. Of if you follow the late models, Bubba Pollard, uh, Sean Hingarani's on here. Uh, I didn't, I hadn't no, heard but that, one, but he is listed on here.
0: Yes, Derek Neilan, who is a spotter uh, in the Cup Series, he's on the entry list. He's going to be driving.
1: And then, uh, so, a lot of anyway, another race that
0: you want to on your list huh
1: oh we got okay I know we got to move on uh I was just going to say some of the Alan Kowicki um development drivers that have been in either current or a past are on there as well
0: that's true that's true uh and and, uh, again, we're getting all of these stories from three basic uh, short track uh, websites that do really wonderful uh, coverage of what's happening in the short track world, and that's Racing America, Flow Racing, and Short Track Scenes. So uh, if you don't have those uh, bookmarked, you definitely want to bookmark uh, each one of those sites. Okay, uh, Jay, I am going to go ahead and move over to our preview of the ARCA Menard Series West. Uh, they're going to be joining the NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, by racing out at Portland International Raceway uh, this coming weekend. And uh, let's see. I know I sent some notes here. Uh, of all the things that are going on for this uh, Arkham Menard Series race. They'll be racing the Portland 112 this Friday. That's tomorrow, June the 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time. It will be available via live streaming uh, starting at 8.30 at Flow Racing. They'll be racing 57 laps to cover a distance of 112 miles. Uh, So it's the fourth round of the 23 Arkham and Art Series West season. Tyler Reif won the season opening round at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, that was a combination race with the Arkham Arts Series. And Sean Hingarani uh, won back-to-back short track races at Irwindale Speedway and then again at Kern County Raceway Park. So this is the next, uh, the next edition uh, for the Arkham and Art Series West.
1: And that Portland 112 will be the 8th West race there at Portland uh, International Raceway, dating back to the first all the way back in 1986, which was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Herschel McGriff. Other winners there include Patrick Long in 2010, Luis Mater- Martinez Jr. in 2011, Greg Persley in 2012. Then we got the jump to 2021 where Taylor Gray picked up the victory. And Jake Drew did it twice last year in 2022.
0: Speaking of Landon Lewis, he enters Portland, Portland leading the Arkham and Art Series West Championship standings uh, by just five points over Tanner Wright, or sorry, Tyler Wright. I'm sorry, Kyler Rife. Hingarani is third, nine points out of the lead. Then there's Trevor Huddleston and Bradley Erickson, who round out the top five in the series.
1: Now Lewis has finished second in all. Has finished second in all three West races so far in 2023. He did finish uh, ninth in the second race at Portland in 2022.
0: Okay, Uh, because they are racing with the Xfinity Series also in town, there's some Xfinity Series drivers that have entered. They're hoping to gain some valuable track time and experience uh, before their race that takes place on Saturday. Uh, They include drivers like Riley Erbst, Dylan Lupton, Kyle Sieg, Cole Custer, and Parker
1: Retzlaff. Some others to make note of, Eric Johnson, Jr., The Camper and Cale Schrader are all scheduled to make their Arca Menard Series West debut in the Portland 112. So it will be an interesting mix.
0: It is indeed. Fittingly, Todd Souza is going to make his 112th start in the Portland 112. He has one career West win at Utah Motorsports Campus, and that was in 2008. So you know he knows how to maneuver those uh, road courses.
1: Sorry, I lost my spot. Okay, uh, two-time Arca Menard Series East winner and current championship leader in the East Series, William Stalwich, is entered as well in the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota.
0: The Portland 112 is the 148th road course race in the Arca West Series history. The series has raced 19 different road courses, including Willow Springs Raceway, Kitsap Airport, Riverside International Raceway, March Bank Speedway, Catati Oregon International Raceway, Sonoma Raceway, Westwood Road Course, Laguna Seca Raceway, Continental Divide Raceway, Caesars Palace Circuit, the Seattle International Raceway, Tacoma Street Course, Spokane Street Course, the Heartland Park to Heartland Park in Topeka, and the Utah Motorsports Campus, as well as California Speedway's road course, Portland International Raceway, and Brainerd International Raceway. So a lot of road courses have been uh, in this uh, West Series history.
1: And some very unique ones at that. I mentioned when uh, last year's Portland 112 was won by Jake Drew was the first time the West Series had raced in the rain. So that was an interesting race as they developed the uh, rain and wet weather tires.
0: Okay, we're going to talk about Landon Lewis again. He leads the series with a two-point average finish. He's just ahead of Tyler Wright, who has 3.3 average finish. Bradley Erickson and Trevor Hosen are tied at 5.33 average finishes. So this is a pretty tight competition among these top drivers.
1: It is, but Lewis is the only driver to finish among the top five in all three races so far this season, thus the uh, lead at the top of the points. But Lewis, Tyler Reif, Erickson, Huddleston, and Tanner Reif have all finished among the top ten in all three races. So that just shows you, like you said, Sharon, some super tight competition.
0: It definitely is. Now, should the race need to be extended into overtime, uh, this is in kind of important for people to know the distinction here, uh, there will be one attempt at a one lap finish the green white flag will be displayed together followed by the checkered if the caution flag is displayed on that lap the race is over we're scoring reverting to the most recent scoring loop so um it's a little bit different than what we see in nascar and especially with regard to road courses so uh that's why we make sure that fans know about that uh, uh, right out at the gate if you will
1: And that is important for fans to understand. Again, each series is a little bit different. Again, this is a developmental series, a lot of younger drivers. So the one attempt I think is is kind of a good decision on their part.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, just to give you a little more details here, uh, this track is a 12-turn, 1.967-mile road course. They are going to race those 57 laps, uh, but they're, on Friday, June the 2nd, they'll have a Friday, final practice from 11.35 a.m. to 12.35 p.m. Pacific time. That's local time. The General Tire Pole Award qualifying, which is a time session, will take place from 3.10 to 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And then, of course, the race starts at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, which is 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So, um, again, there's just so much to look forward to at this race. I love the, um, what do you call it, um, the road courses. And uh, we've got a pretty good size. Uh, uh, entry list here for this uh, race. So let's start from the bottom up, uh, Jay, with the entire entry list.
1: All right, if I'm not mistaken, I counted 24, so I'll start at the bottom with the zero 5 of David Smith from Sydney, British Columbia. He's going to be in the Toyo- his self-owned Toyota with Brandon Carlson as his crew chief.
0: And Mike Nascimento is going to be the crew chief for the Nascimento-owned uh, number four uh, for Ethan Nascimento. They came. They come from R- Ripon, Ripon, Ripon. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, California. Uh, and he'll be driving the Rail Bar Protein Bar Toyota.
1: And coming out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, is Parker Retzlaff uh, from the Xfinity Series. He'll be in the 0-2 for Tyler Young, Young Motorsports, driving a Chevrolet with Joshua Graham calling the shots.
0: Driving the number 99 for Bill McAnally racing is Caleb Schrader from Tigard, Oregon. Uh, He'll be driving that Chevrolet for Bill McAnally, and Mario Isola will be on the pit box.
1: And Tony Caputo will be directing the number eighty-eight Ford for Mike Nocky. The driver is Bradley Erickson, comes out of Phoenix, Arizona, with LNS Framing and Podium Club on the side of that car.
0: Okay, driving uh, for Steve O'Hannon is Kyle Keller in the number seventy. He hails from Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada. He'll be driving the KISMIF Foundation Ever Ready Health Argus. Chevrolet, and Brian Kaiser will be on top of his pit box.
1: This weekend, the 55, there'll be a second uh, team high-point racing race car factory. It's going to be driven by Cole Custer. He comes out of Ladero Ranch, California, and that is a Ford owned by Tim Huddleston, and Travis Thurkettle is the crew chief.
0: Okay. Uh, Driving the number 52, Phil Potts. Toyota this weekend is Ryan Philpop from Livermore, California. Uh, he'll have Matos Equipment Rentals and Hacienda Pools as his sponsor and Chuck, Chuck Dose here will be his crew chief.
1: The number 50 is the regular High Point Racing Machine also with Race Car Factories on it and that's Trevor Huddleston out of Agora Hills, California. Again it's a Tim Huddleston owned Ford. Jeff Schrader, the one calling the shots here.
0: Okay, uh, driving a Loudon Ford this weekend is uh, Kyle Sieg. He'll be driving. He j- hails from Buford, Georgia. He'll have 46 on the side of the card, along with Stoney's Country AF Radio on his board. Uh, Dave Jackson is his crew chief.
1: Well, and I don't know if they're related, but Tony Jackson's got control of the other Chris Loudon Ford, and that'll be the number 41 of Tyler Reif, coming out of Henderson, Nevada. So he's got the Tour Nevada and the Power Gen Components and Stoney's on the side.
0: Okay. Uh, driving the number 35, for Andrew Tuttle this weekend is Roxali Camper out of Saratoga Springs, Utah. he will have Cutter Camper racing on the side of his Chevrolet. And uh, Travis Camper is his crew chief.
1: And the Quarterly Machine, number 32, that'll be Alex Quarterly, crew chief and owned. Number 32, Dale Quarterly is your driver, comes out of Westfield, Massachusetts and brings along the Van Dyke Recycling Solutions and Ari sponsorship.
0: Okay, I always like it when Dylan Lupton is back uh, in the Arkham Menard Series, uh, the uh, Xfinity Series. He's uh, going to be driving the number 24 Chevrolet uh, this weekend. He's from Sacramento, California. He'll have Lupton Excavation on the side of his Chevrolet and Roger Bracken on top of his pit box.
1: Number 19 is another Bill McAnally-entered machine, a Chevrolet. Chuck Jones calling the shot for Eric Johnson, Jr., comes out of Center, Washington.
0: Okay, and driving that number 18, Joe Gibbs Racing Machine is William Sauerlich out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota. He'll have uh, Starkey sound Gear on the side of his Toyota and Matt Ross
1: on top of the pit box. The MMI-17 Chevrolet of Steve McGowan, that is Landon Lewis, your points leader, comes out of Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Richard Mason uh, there with him to help guide him.
0: Okay, it's going to be John Camilleri on top of the pit box for the Bill McAnally number 16 this weekend. Tanner Reif will be the driver from Henderson, Nevada, driving that Chevrolet.
1: And here's the Venturini uh, entry. The number 15, Sean Hingarani, comes out of Newport Beach, California, with the Mobile One sponsor on that Toyota. And as always, he's bringing Kevin Reed Jr. along with him.
0: Okay, um, and the McGrath uh, owned number 14 this weekend. Zach McGrath will be on top of the pick box, and Davey McGrath will be behind the wheel. They hail from Phoenix, Arizona, and they'll have Advanced Auto Works Corners racing engines on the side of their Chevrolet.
1: And we highlighted Todd Susan making his 112 starts, but it'll be in the number 13 Ford, owned by Kelly Sousa. Michael Munoz is going to make the uh, adjustments for that Central Coast Cabinet. Sousa comes out of Aromas, California.
0: And all the way from Nagoya, Hitchi, Japan, is Takuma Koga. Uh, they've got a great feature article about him over at Arco Racing. Uh, and he is going to be driving that number seven uh, for Jerry Pitts. And uh, Danny Moyer will be on top of his pit box for his Loop Connect Toyota.
1: When Jerry Pitts is going to be busy, as he's got a number five Ford in the field as well. He'll be crew chiefing for And that'll be driven by Riley Herbst out of Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: Okay, Riley, another Xfinity Series driver. And then for another Nascimento-owned Chevrolet, uh, Eric Nascimento will be behind the wheel of the number four. He hails from Manteca, California, and he'll have Fidelity Capital RJ's Paint Shop and David's Racing on the side of his Chevrolet. And... A uh, uh, crew chief that's familiar to all of us, Ty Joyner, will be on top of his pit box.
1: Well, I was I was going to say we're out of time, so you can't ask me who I think is going to win it, because out of 24 cars there, uh, I think it's a <laughs> wide open field.
0: <laughs> it, it is, especially considering that it's a road course as well. But I, I'm going to say it's going to be one of our Xfinity Series, guys. I'm going to go with Cole Custer.
1: Well, yeah, I imagine that. I'll, I'll do the same thing then. I, I, I will go with one of the regulars in William Saw, which uh, from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. How about that?
0: Oh, there you go. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, so uh, definitely you want to catch this race. Uh, it's going to be an exciting one, and uh, I think we've got a lot to look forward to at that race on Friday night. All right, uh, real quick, before we leave the Arkham and Art series, I want to make sure that you know uh, when some of these other uh, races are taking place. Uh, The Arkham & Art Series will be racing at Berlin Speedway, or Raceway, uh, the Berlin ARCA 200 on June 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern. That will be covered on Fox Sports 1, so that's good news for everybody. And then the Arkham & Art Series East, uh, their next race isn't until July 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern time out at Iowa Speedway, and that one, too, will be covered on Fox Sports 2. So, uh, again, we want to make sure you know where you can catch these races and mark your calendars for the upcoming races here in the Arkham and Art series. Uh, I'm going to check real quick at uh, my uh, media site and see if we have any audio yet. We don't have any audio, so that's the reason why we're going to go right into our preview of the um, uh, Arkham, of the, uh, NASCAR series top three series it's going to feel like we're bouncing around a little bit because we're going to start with the truck series at worldwide technology raceway down in st louis We're going to then go to the Xfinity Series race that's taking place at Portland uh, alongside the Ozarka West Series drivers. And then the Enjoy Illinois 300 uh, for the Cup Series is at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We'll finish up with that preview. Uh, So we're going to have a little extra time here, I think. Uh, If we do at the end of all of these previews, uh, whatever time we have left, we'll go ahead and cover any other news items uh, that we think are important for all of you. Um, But let's go ahead and get started with the truck series. Again, they are racing the Toyota 200 at Worldwide Technology Raceway this Saturday, June the 3rd, 1.30 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 1 p.m., as well as radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Now, they'll race 160 laps to cover a distance of 200 miles. Uh, first uh, sta- first two stages are 35 laps each. Stage 1 ends on third lap 35. Stage 2 on lap 70. And then the final stage is 110 laps ending on lap 160. So, uh, what do we have here in the Truck Series, Jay?
1: Well, I think you got to love this first headline, and that is <laughs> Jesse Love, as he's going to make his Craftsman Truck Series debut. He's a two-time Arkham Menards Series West champion. He'll make his NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series debut in the number one Tricon Garage Toyota Tundra uh, TRD at Worldwide Technology Raceway. And Love has won the last three Arkham Menards Series races this season, uh, coming at Talladega, Kansas, and Charlotte. So great opportunity for him and might be trouble for the rest of the truck series.
0: Okay, I'm switching phones here because uh, my phone ran out of battery already. So uh, as I make my way back to my notes here, uh, we will get into the next bit here. And that is Carson Hosevar. He's gonna be making his NASCAR Cup Series debut at Gateway, uh W W T Raceway. Uh in the uh the Craftsman Truck Series driver Carson Hosevar is gonna make his cup series debut this Sunday in the Enjoy Illinois three hundred. At WWT Raceway Jose Barr will drive that Number 7 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet In Sunday's event In place of Corey LaJoy And uh, this leads us to a topic That we'll cover probably in our Hot Topic segment Corey LaJoy is driving For Chase Elliott Who is suspended for this race This weekend
1: You're definitely right about that More information to come on that Later in Hot Topics
0: <laughs> Exactly right
1: now for the truck series, we got six competitors that are locked into the NASCAR Cruf- Craftsman Truck Series playoffs. They do only have five races left in the regular season. So we're going to take a look at how the standings currently lay out. Locked in, the six drivers that are locked into the 2023 playoffs by virtue of wins this season, we got Zane Smith, who won at Daytona and Coda, Christian Eckes at Atlanta and Darlington. Carson Hosevar picked up the victory at Texas, Corey Heim at Martinsville, Grant Enfinger at Kansas, and now most recently Ben Rhodes at Charlotte. And that would put two drivers uh, in currently in on points as they built up a points cushion of 35 points or more over the playoff cut line following Charlotte. Ty Majeski is 119 points above the cut line, and Matt Crafton is plus 35. Now, seven points above the cutoff and ranked ninth in the Craftsman Truck Series playoff outlook is Tricon Garage's Tanner Gray, and then following Gray is Rackley Wars' Matt Benedetto, but he's just one point above the cutoff. So on the outside looking in, there's another 10 drivers that sit outside the playoff position but still have plenty of time. I don't know if I agree with that, but There's five races left to race their way into the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series uh, playoffs. Uh, They can get it done, though. Halmar Friesen's racing, Stuart Friesen, is 11th in the standings. He's the one one point behind Matt DiBenedetto for 10th. Sunoco rookie of the year candidate, Nick Sanchez, fits in 11th. I'm sorry, 12th. 11 11 points. Oh, there we go. 11 points um, off of that final playoff position but he's sitting in 12. Then, following Friesen and Sanchez, you got Chase Purdy is 36 points back from the cut line. Jake Garcia, minus 48. Tyler Anker, minus 63. Haley Deegan is 75 back. Raja Karuth, 81. Colby Howard, 99. Daniel Dye, another rookie, at minus 100. And Dean Thompson at minus 102. And what I look at there, there are some drivers that we know can win, and some that have been really close this year. Dean Thompson at 102 uh, finished second, I believe, at Charlotte.
0: Okay. Well, Worldwide Technology Raceway is the second race of the Triple Truck Challenge uh, that will take place this Saturday. uh, Located in Madison, Illinois, just outside of St. Louis, Worldwide Technology Raceway was originally built in 1985 as a road course. It was named St. Louis International Raceway Park. In 1996, the road course was demolished and transformed into the 1.25-mile oval accompanying a drag strip uh, that is pretty well-known today. Now, the inaugural Craftsman Truck Series race at the 1.25-mile track was held on September 19th of 1998. That race was won. We mentioned him as uh, being one of the... um, uh, Arkham Menard series Series uh, spot not spotter, but crew chiefs this weekend, Rick Corelli, and he was driving a Chevrolet for Marshall Chessron. The 22 previous races at WWT Raceway have produced 13 different pole winners, along with 20 different race winners. Greg Biffle won there in 98 and 2000, Ted Musgrave in 2001 and five. And they lead the Craftsman Truck Series in polls that they each have two. I think I said one. Those are the years that they actually had their polls. Additionally, Sheldon Creed in 2020 and 21, Ted Musgrave in 2001 and 2005. They lead the series in wins at WWT Raceway, and they have two each. Tricon Garages' uh, Corey Heim, who won last year in the Toyota 200, is the only other previous winner entered this weekend. Practice and qualifying uh, will take place for the Toyota 200 on Friday, June the 2nd, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1.
1: Well, we talked about Charlotte a little bit, but all roads led to Victory Lane. And during that final restart on lap 111, Thor Sport Racing's Ben Rhodes managed to secure the lead from Carson Hosevar and pulled away to win the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And that got him his first win of 2023, snapping a 27-race winless streak. The 2021 NASCAR cramped Craftsman Truck Series champion gave Ford its first truck series win at Charlotte. That was a little unbelievable stat there. I didn't realize.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Rhodes became the ninth different winner in 11 Craftsman Truck Series races and took home that bonus of $50,000 for winning the first of the three events of the Triple Truck Challenge, a program that provides that opportunity to win $500,000 for the driver who can sweep all three participating races. Now, in addition to the Triple Truck Challenge bonus, the 26-year-old Kentucky native has officially earned himself a spot in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs for the sixth time in his career. Uh, He's done it every year since 2020. 2020. Uh, He missed 2019, but was involved in 2018 and 2017. Whoops, sorry. Uh, Tricon garages Corey Heim, who led the most laps with 49, finished uh, in second after winning that opening stage, and Heim continued his starting string of strong results, collecting his fourth top five and ninth top ten in 11 races. And I was mistaken here; he finished third. Was Tricon teammate Dean Thompson, driver of the number five Toyota Tundra. Uh, PRD recorded his best career Craftsman Truck Series finish. I think he was second in the ARCA race, third in the Truck Series.
0: No, that could be. That could be. Okay, we're going to move on now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, The Pacific Office Automation 147 at Portland International Raceway uh, will also be on Saturday, but a little bit later in the afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Fox Sports One will carry the pre-race coverage starting at 4 p.m. along with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now they'll cover—they'll go 75 laps, covering a distance of 147.75 miles. Uh, first two stages, 25 laps apiece. Stage one ends on lap 25. Stage two on lap 50, and that final stage is also 25 laps, ending on lap 75. So for well, we Xfinity. already mentioned this uh,
1: yeah, preview in the uh, ARCA Menards West Series, but a few of the NASCAR Xfinity drivers' regulars will be pulling that double duty this weekend at Portland International Raceway, running in that ARCA Menards Series West Portland 112 on Friday, June 2nd. Stuart Haas racing teammates Cole Custer and Riley Herbst amongst the list of those drivers. Custer is set to pilot the second entry from High Point Racing, while Herps will drive the entry field of it by Jerry Pitts. Um, one we didn't highlight though is Kyle Sieg, as he's slated to join in the double duty fund. He'll be behind the wheel at number forty-six for Loudon Jackson Motorsports, and then Parker Retzlaff will get behind the wheel of that number zero-two for Young Motorsports.
0: Okay. Uh, let's uh, go over our Sunoco Rookie of the Year update for the Xfinity Series. Uh, They now have 12 races under their belts as they gear up for series debuts at Portland International Raceway. We'll start with Colleague Racing's Chandler Smith. He continues to lead the competition with one win at Richmond. He also has four top fives, five top tens, and 374 points. Earlier this season at Coda, he posted a 12th-place finish. Not far behind is Joe Gibbs Racing's Sammy Smith. He's racked up one win at Phoenix, three top fives, five top tens, and 350 points. Uh, He posted a fourth-place finish earlier this season at Coda's road course. So uh, that gives you an idea of how he might do this weekend on the road course at Portland. Jordan Anderson Racing's Parker Retzlaff, he's posted one top five, three top tens this season. He's accumulated 243 points. He finished 17th at Coda earlier this season. And closing out the competition is Blaine Perkins with 66 points. So um, uh, a very good rookie of the year uh, competition going on there. But it appears that uh, Chandler Smith has it pretty well in hand.
1: Well, you know, I initially thought that both Smiths started out strong picking up a victory, but we've seen it here lately. Parker Retzlaff, gaining momentum and and experience, going to get more experience with that double-duty driving, so don't count him out yet.
0: That's true. All right, we might have to break uh, this one up, Jay. (laughs) There's a lot of info here.
1: All right, you want to go every other uh, section then?
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: All right, Uh, scroll up to the top, and what we're talking about here is the road course racing with a twist. Now, the Xfinity Series is headed to Portland International Raceway because they're going to make some left and right turns, but it's a standalone event, so pit stops are going to look a tad bit different. And I'll start with the general procedure rules. Uh, The field will be frozen at the time of caution. All caution periods will be what they call quickie yellows, Um, When pit road is open, all cars may pit, and fuel may only be added during the stage breaks, and tires may be changed at any. Got to make sure I read that right. Fuel is may only be added during the stage break cautions, and then tires may be changed at any time during the event.
0: Okay. Next, I'll cover the stage break pit stops. Uh, Stage breaks will consist of three a three minute break. NASCAR officials will announce the start of the three-minute break after the last vehicle has stopped in their pit stall. No crew members on pit road until all cars are stopped and NASCAR, has announced that, uh, and NASCAR has announced the start of that break. Now, fuel may not be added and tires may not be changed at the same time. Tires must be changed first and then fuel can be added. The lap in which pit road is open during the stage breaks will not count. And teams that elect not to pit will stop behind the caution uh, vehicle until the conclusion of the break.
1: Now, when it comes to green flag pit stops, these have a little bit different rules as well. The green flag pit stops where tires are changed must not be completed faster than the minimum time allotted from yellow line to yellow line, and that is 60 seconds at the minimum. In the event of a flat tire or tires under green flag, uh, if the tire or tires are visually flat when the vehicle enters pit road, the team may elect to change the flat tires only and not be subject to the minimum time on pit road. But that's only if it's a visually flat tire.
0: Correct. Okay, the restart lineup during stage breaks and all caution periods. Lead lap cars that did not pit using the free, freeze the field at the time of the caution. Uh, so they'll, those, they'll line up first. Lead lap cars that pitted using the freeze and field time of the caution and lap down cars that did not pit using that same uh, freeze and field at time of caution. Uh, laps down cars that pitted using the freeze and field time of caution and then free pass wave around and penalty cars using the same system the freeze and field at time of caution so that's the order in which they'll line
1: up at on a restart and the pit stop penalties that you can get through uh, throughout this event the restart at the tail end that would come if a pit crew members on the hot side of pit wall before the three-minute break is started or servicing the vehicle after the three-minute break has ended. And then vehicles also not in the correct restart position with the one to go is given at turn eight. Uh, pass-through penalty, that will be enforced if they're not meeting the green flag minimum time limit on pit roads.
0: Okay. The pit crew and pit equipment. Uh, the pit crew members will consist of road crew roster positions. Uh, five crew members to service and fuel the vehicle, excluding the stage brakes, and then one driver-assist crew member to clean the windshield and assist the driver. All pit crew safety equipment is required during any pit stops, excluding the stage brakes, and any compressed air-driven pneumatic pit gun or battery-operated electric pit gun may be used. So, again, these rules are a little bit different because of uh, the fact that they're going to be at the road course. And uh, they've kind of changed up the rules a little bit and put a twist to it, if you will.
1: Well, and there's another part to that, Sharon, for fans to understand. With it being a standalone event and the Cup Series are running uh, halfway across the country in St. Louis, a lot of these uh, Xfinity Series teams use Either in full or portions of Cup Series teams, so that that's a part of it as well uh, as as well as it being a road course.
0: Yeah, that that certainly is a big part of why they're uh, putting the twist to these uh, road course rules. Okay, uh, back to the Northwest Portland Inter- International Raceway is up next. Uh, they're heading back to Portland for the Pacific Automation One Hundred and Fifty on Saturday. Again, it's a 1.967-mile road course. Uh, The inaugural event last year saw road course ringer A.J. Allmendinger snag that victory. He had a margin of victory at 2.879 seconds after working his way up from the 10th starting position. Now, Allmendinger won't be in the field this time around, but the inaugural pole sitter Anthony Alfredo will be back in hopes of leading the field in that Pacific Automation 147 once again. Now, last year's runner-up on the Portland Road Course was Myatt Snyder. Uh, He'll also be back to give the track another go. He'll get behind the wheel of the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota for his second start of the season with that team. He made his first start with JGR at the season opener at Daytona, where he posted a fifth-place finish. Richard Chase, I'm sorry, Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill. He placed third in last year's inaugural event. He's competing on Saturday as well, with, and he already has three wins under his belt this season at Daytona, Las Vegas, and Atlanta. So now he's hungry for his fourth. He'll pu- if he pulls off that victory, it'll be his first road course win in the Xfinity Series. Although the number 21 Chevrolet driver. Uh, has had some engine trouble earlier this season at COTA. He ultimately finished 37th. He's proved his skill on road courses. Now, last year, he posted a runner-up finish at COTA, a fourth-place finish at Road America, and a ninth-place finish at Indy's road course. Uh, that's in addition to placing third at Portland last year. Now, drivers will kick off their weekend with practice at 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. That will be followed by qualifying at 12 p.m. Eastern. And on Saturday, June 3rd, practice will not be broadcast, but qualifying will be shown on Fox Sports 1.
1: All right, when we look at the Charlotte, looking back at the uh, Charlotte race, It was Justin Algar as he snagged a first junior motorsports win in 2023 and now ready for that road course action. And junior motorsports driver Justin Algar put up some impressive finishes at Charlotte Motor Speedway over over the course of his career and was finally able to take the checkered flag on Monday, bringing his numbers up to one win, six top fives, 12 top tens, and 160 laps led in his 21 starts at the 1.5 mile track. Now, the win marked the first of the season and the 20th in his NASCAR Xfinity Series career. It was also uncharacteristically uh, the first win of the season for Junior Motorsports. Now, this victory also secures him into the playoffs later this season for a serious leading eighth time in his career. And he has done it consecutively. If I'm looking at these numbers right, yep, 16, uh, 2016 through 2023, for so those eight uh, times. Now, Aguirre looked to keep his momentum going at Portland International Raceway, a track that has also served him well uh, last season. In the inaugural Xfinity Series race at the Portland Road Course last year, the 36-year-old driver put up a top top five finish by finishing fifth. And although there's only been the one road course on the Xfinity Series schedule thus far this season, and that was at Coda, Algar has proved he hasn't lost his road course racing touch as he posted a fifth-place finish there in Austin. We look at uh, Algar's uh, stats on other road courses coming up on the Xfinity Series circuit this season. Uh, Road America, he's got 11 starts. There he has one win in 2018 along with two top fives and five top tens. At the Indianapolis Road Course, he's got three starts there with one top five and two top tens. Watkins Glen, another one where he's got 11 starts, he's got four top fives and seven top tens. The Charlotte Roval, there he's had five starts, and those include two top fives and three top tens. So certainly got a road course resume uh, going for him.
0: He does indeed. Okay, moving on now to our NASCAR Cup Series, the Enjoy Illinois 300 pretended, presented by Ticket Smarter will take place at Worldwide Technology Raceway on Sunday, June the 4th. That should, race should start around 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Fox Sports 1 will carry pre-race coverage starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they will race 240 laps, covering a distance of 300 miles. Uh, the first stage uh, ends on lap 45. The second stage uh, will be 95 laps, ending on lap 140. And the final stage will be another hundred laps that will end on lap 240. And we've got a lot to cover as usual here in the Cup Series. Jay.
1: Well, the first thing involves the fans as we got the 360-degree fan immersion infield experience as that await spectators at WWTR as they. Come to Worldwide Technology Raceway, it's the all-new Gateway Garage experience that will enable fans to get up close and personal with the teams, cars, and drivers as they prepare to compete on the 1.25-mile oval. It's the perfect combination of a party and a NASCAR action. The pass holders will have access to the following pre-race opening ceremonies on track, premium access, to the Saturday and Sunday Turn One concerts, as well as tech inspection, driver Q and As, discounted food and beverage, free enhanced Wi Fi, and the, red, or the driver red carpet walk. Now, fans in the Gateway Garage Experience will also have access to the NASCAR approved viewing areas behind the team, boxes, team pit boxes on pit road during the race. Uh, some other details. The Speedway has lengthened the existing garage space to allow fans that close look at crews, cars, and NASCAR's biggest stars as they prepare for uh, races on the track. The NASCAR Cup Series Drivers Meeting and VIP event space will now be held in a remodeled clubhouse located adjacent to the garage area. And the adjacent fan zone has been expanded and re-imaged featuring infield seating as well as shade structure, soft seating, and additional vendors, and multiple food options. Now, this infield uh, experience is part of a multi-phase, $100 million renovation and expansion project that includes significant land acquisition, as well as expanded guest accommodations, including that infield fan zone project. So, kudos to uh, WWTR for that.
0: Absolutely. Okay, NASCAR uh, has a diversity internship program, and they uh, announced their 2023 class. So uh, the class is welcoming undergraduate and graduate students to NASCAR. It's the 22nd class. Uh, The class consisted of 37 students, completed orientation during the Coca-Cola 600 race weekend in Charlotte, and many in the group had the opportunity to experience the first NASCAR race. So uh, visit the NASCAR Hall of Fame. They also went to Hendrick Motorsports and the Motor Racing Network facilities. The Diversity Internship Program is a 10-week program that offers hands-on experience across various roles in the motorsports industry. Uh, We're going to shorten that to an acronym, NDIP, provides practical, unique, hands-on experience in a variety of fields that are vital to the sport and business operations. Throughout the summer, interns receive mentorship, uh, network and industry leaders, with the network and industry leaders and engage in a case study competition. So this was launched in 2000 in a highly competitive career development program, and they've introduced over 500 college students to the NASCAR industry, and it has grown to include several industry partners, providing a variety of career exposure opportunities. Twenty-three partners include Rev Racing, Worldwide Express, 2311 Racing, Joe Gibbs Racing, Sonoma Raceway, Team Penske, Hendrick Motorsports, and Roush Fenway-Kazlowski Racing. NDIP is open to college students who are sophomores or above with a minimum 3.0 GPA, representing the following races, ethnic minority classifications uh, that include black or African-American, american indian alaska native asian latino or hispanic native hawaiian or other pacific islander for the entire list of this year's um, class let's uh, take a look at this link here there's several students that are participating Uh, in this program, and it is a very lengthy list. I thought maybe I could uh, go over the names, but uh, it's pretty long. But uh, maybe we can post an article about that, and you can read about uh, who those folks are.
1: Well, it's a great program, and I'd like to see the teams that were involved with that and supporting it. So, again, a major kudos for developing the internal parts of nascar as well not just the drivers on track
0: exactly right
1: now this is one i think we have up on our hot topics but we'll talk about a little bit here and that's the nascar championship weekend is going to be returning to phoenix raceway in 2024 nascar announced that phoenix raceway will continue as the host of the nascar championship weekend for 2024 the four champions will be crowned over three days as November 1st through 3rd in 2024, as the best drivers from the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and the Tr- Craftsman Truck Series, as well as the Arkham Menards Series West, uh, will compete for their season supremacy at Phoenix Raceway. The NASCAR Cup Series Championship Race uh, is completely sold out for, or I'm sorry, did completely sold out, sellout at Phoenix Raceway in 2021 and 2022. And there's only a limited number of seats remaining for the 2023 NASCAR Championship Weekend at Phoenix Raceway this year, November 3rd through 5th. So, if you want tickets, get them now.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, There's a milestone watch here for Brad Kozlowski. He's going to be making his 500th career cup start uh, this weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Uh, He becomes the 46th different driver to make 500 or more Cup Series starts. Kozlowski has had quite the career in his previous 499 Cup Series starts. He's put up one Cup Series championship, uh, and that was in 2012 two championships in the round round of four appearances in 17 and 20, and 10 playoff appearances uh, coming in 2011, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. I believe the only year missing there is 13. He has 35 wins, 142 top fives, 239 top tens, and has led over 9,000 laps. This weekend, Keselowski is looking to become just the third driver to win his 500th Cup Series career start. Uh, and if he does so, he would join Richard Petty, who did that in July 12, 1970, at Trenton. And Matt Kenseth did it in September twenty second of 2013, out at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, so pretty cool when these drivers hit those uh, big milestones.
1: Well, there's another milestone, if you will, and we promise more news on this. Carson Hosovar is going to make his NASCAR Cup Series career debut at WWTR for Spire Motorsports. And this will tie into several stories, but with Corey LeJoy getting the opportunity to move into the number nine Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet uh, in the place of the suspended Chase Elliott, Spire Motorsports has called upon rising NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series star, Carson Josevar to hop behind the wheel of the number 7 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet at Worldwide Technology Raceway, and that'll be for his series career debut. Although this will be Josevar's series track debut, he's made three starts in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at the 1.25 mile track, and he posted one top 10 finish, which was 8th back in 2021.
0: Okay, now along with that, uh, because Carson is replacing Corey LaJoy, Corey LaJoy is going to pilot the number nine for Hendrix Motorsports at WWTR. Uh, so following the announcement of that suspension of Chase Elliott for this weekend's Cup Series race at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway, uh, the organization tapped fire motorsports driver Corey LaJoy to drive that number nine Chevrolet this Sunday. This season, LaJoy's put up one top five and an average finish of 19.1 in 14 Cup Series starts. In last season's Cup Series race at uh, WWTR, uh, LaJoy finished 36th, which was last in the event. And that was because he had an engine failure uh, driving that number seven for Spiral Motorsports. So hopefully they'll have better, uh, a better engine for this week's weekend's race.
1: Now we're going to get into the playoff bubble with the just five postseason spots still open following Charlotte. As we roll into the Worldwide Technology Raceway this weekend, 10 different drivers have won in the NASCAR Cup Series this season with a spot secured for the driver of the point series leader without a win. That's currently occupied by Trackhouse Racing's Ross Jastain. That leaves just five spots available in the 16-driver field to make the postseason. The 10 drivers that have earned a spot in the playoffs by virtue of their wins this season are William Byron, Kyle Bush, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Martin Shureks, uh Martin Truex Jr., sorry, uh, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Joey Logano. Now, Ross Chastain regained the points lead in the NASCAR Cup Series following Dover Motor Speedway and has held that top spot since. But he is winless and currently only has a one-point advantage over Team Penske's Ryan Blaney in second. Now, the five drivers currently occupying the playoff sp- spots on points, uh, starting at 12th place, that would be Kevin Harvick, and he's got 146 points over the cut season, postseason cutoff. Brad Keselowski is in 13th, up 102 points. Chris, Chris Busher is at plus 76. Bubba Wallace is at plus 35. And Alex Bowman returned to the track, and he is now in to the top 16 at plus 4. And it didn't take Alex Bowman long to bounce back into that playoff contention. He mentioned he returned from injury last week at Charlotte at Charlotte with a playoff waiver and was ranked seventeenth in points. But after posting a twelfth place finish at Charlotte, he's now jumped to sixteenth, up four points over Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe, who's in seventeenth. But that'll change as we'll get to some hot topics.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, that was <coughs> excuse me, uh, that was the first spot off out of the, outside the playoff cut line. Now not behind far behind Bowman in the Points are Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate, Joe Gibbs Racing driver Ty Gibbs, 18th, who so was 15 points back, and then Trackhouse Racing's driver Daniel Suarez in 19th at minus 20. Now, in last season's WWTR Cup race, Bowman finished 13th, Briscoe had finished 24th, and Daniel Suarez 23rd. Uh, this weekend will be Ty Gibbs' first appearance in the NASCAR Cup Series at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Of four of the drivers that finished in the top 10 in the NASCAR Cup Series race at WWTR last season, they're still looking for their first win of 2023, and that is Eric Almirola, Eric Jones, mentioned Ross Chastain, as well as A.J. Allmendinger.
0: Uh, just to review what happened last week, Blaney became the 10th different winner this season. Uh, he's 6th to knock out big, a very big winless streak. And just like that, another large winless streak is snapped. Uh, Team Penske's Ryan Blaney hustled to a crown jewel win in the rain-delayed Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte last weekend. Uh, Again, becoming that 10th different winner in the Cup Series this year. Blaney also conquered a winless streak that had reached 59 races. He is the sixth different driver this season to snap a winless streak of 25 or more races. Uh, He joins Ricky Stenhouse, who broke his uh, 199-race winless streak. Martin Truex had 54 races. Denny Hamlin, 33, William Byron, 30, and Kyle Busch, 28 races. A total of 16 active drivers who currently have winless streaks uh, that date back to the start of the 2023 season. Okay, so Justin Haley is at the top of the list. His last win came at uh, Daytona in July 7th of 2019, so it's been 140 races since that win. He's had 89 attempts um, since then to uh, get that win. Uh, You've got Michael McDowell's last win came in February at Daytona of 21, uh, 85 races since his last win. Uh, Then you've got Brad Keselowski. His last win came at Talladega in April of 21. Seventy-six wins raceless. I mean, 76 races uh, are winless. Eric Amarola, his last win came at Loudoun in July of 18, of 21. He's had 64 winless races. Uh, Then you've got uh, A.J. Allmendinger at Indianapolis Road Course uh, was his last win That was in August of 21. Uh, That uh, gives him 62 winless races. He's had 33 attempts since then. Uh, Austin Sindrick's last one came at Daytona in February of 22. The rest of these are all going to be in in, uh, the year of 22. Uh, He gives him 49 winless races. Uh, 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 Alex Bowman... Uh, is at 47 winless races his last race win came at las vegas in march of 22 chase briscoe won at phoenix in march of that same year he's 46 races without a win ross chastain's last win came in april of 22 at talladega he's got a 40 race winless streak daniel suarez at 34 races without a win His last win came at Sonoma in June 12th of last year. Kevin Harvick's last win came at Richmond uh, in August of last year. He's 26 races without a win. Austin Dillon's last win in August last year came at Daytona, 24 races without a win. Eric Jones at Darlington, uh, September of last year, Uh, he's 23 races without a win. Bubba Wallace at 22 winless streak. His last race came at Kansas in September of last year. Chris Busher's last win came at Bristol in September of last year, so he's at 21 races without a win. And Chase Elliott's last win came at Talladega in October of last year. He's 19 races without a win. As the most recent winner in the NASCAR Cup Series, Blaney jumps off the winless list this year and has now secured his spot into the playoffs for the seventh time in his career. He's done it every year uh, since 2017. This year, the North Carolina native has posted one win at Charlotte, four top fives, eight top tens, and to boot, Blaney is ranked second in the series driver standings, just one point behind the leader, Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain. As the series heads now to WWT Raceway for the Enjoy Illinois 300 presented by Ticket Smarter this Sunday, watch for Ryan Blaney to continue to ride his wave of success. In last year's inaugural cup race at WWTR, he finished in the top five. He had a fourth-place finish and led 12 laps. Loop Data also has him ranked in the top five in several pre-race categories, including average running position at 6.78, third best, driver rating at 118.2, second best, fastest laps run at 38, second best, and quality passes 52, which is the second most. Uh, Ryan Blaney might be a good bet for this weekend at the WWT Raceway.
1: Well, I tell you, there's two things, Sharon, that I take from from that section: uh, how time flies and how competitive the series is. Uh, Ross Chastain just coming to mind. I know we talk about him not having the win yet, but uh, being that competitive week in week out, I didn't realize his his had that been that long since he had won a race.
0: Exactly. Uh, there's a lot to cover here in this one too, Jay. So why don't we go every other one here too? You can kick it off.
1: All right, uh, it's a good thing to have a lot in, and that's the Confluence Festival is a nice weekend addition for fans at the WWTR. And this weekend's NASCAR's festivities at the Worldwide Technology Raceway will be accompanied by the Confluence Festival, which is a showcase of innovation, talent, and live entertainment that represents the region's committees or communities, sorry, coming together and welcoming NASCAR to the Worldwide. Racing techn- or worldwide technology raceway. Uh, already announced, they'll start here. Fourteen-time Grammy-nominated Dirks Bentley will headline, playing a full set in what will be his only St. Louis appearance this year. He leads an impressive, award-winning lineup, though.
0: He does. Uh, Flo Rita, five-time Grammy nominee, is an American rapper and singer who in 2007 had a breakout single, Low, and was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for over 10 weeks and remained in the top 10 for over 20 weeks. He's sold over 80 million records worldwide, and he's one of the best-selling musical artists in the world.
1: I want to cover all... Uh... Categories. So you got the Brothers Osborne, and they are an American country music duo consisting of brothers TJ Osborne and John Osborne. They're an eight-time Academy of Country Music Award winners and the six-time Country Music Award winners. They won the 2022 Grammy Award for Best Country Duo or Group Performance.
0: Brittany Spencer will be on hand. She's an American country singer-songwriter from Baltimore. Uh, Britney's released three singles, Sober and Skinny, More Than Perfect, and Wake Me Up, A Fever Dream. She was uh, nominated for Country Music Television Music Awards, CMT's digital first performance of the year. In 2022, she uh, had did her performance at Sober and Skinny, so another one to look forward to.
1: Bailey Zimmerman is from nearby Louisville, Indiana, Illinois. Uh, Zimmerman is one of the country music's most exciting new voices with the 2022 release of, her, of his sorry, debut uh, LP, Leaving the Light On. And it's the biggest streaming country debut of all time and the most streamed all-genre debut of the year.
0: Pretty cool. Uh, Reese Palmer was one of the first African-American female country artists to chart on the country radio with singles, Country Girls, Hold On To Me and No Air, she has independently released a Christmas single and her first children's album, Best Day Ever, and an EP titled The Backport Sessions. Her most recent album, Revival, has been critically hailed as her most personal and uplifting work to date. While she's made her mark in country music, she is equally at home in R&B music, bringing the entire spectrum of popular music to bear on music she calls Southern Soul.
1: And Kim Duggar, he's a NASCAR favorite country singer-songwriter. Duggar returns for the 2023 Confluence Music Festival... He's surpassing 15 million career streams. He released his new single, Buy a Bar, this past February.
0: Okay. Uh, there will also be special performances by B.B. Whalen Winans, uh Jazz St. Louis, the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, Madison High School Marching Band, and the Muni Teens will put on, uh, Money Teens, will put on an unforgettable and uniquely local stamp on the event.
1: You're right. As there are region, some other regional acts that are scheduled to perform over the weekend include Blinded by Stereo, DJ Moth, DJ Big D, Dr. Chivagas, uh Dylan Triplet, Funky Button Brass Band, Lamar Harris, <laughs> Melina Smith. Red and Black Brass Band, St. Boogie Brass Band, the Bobby Ford Band, the Mighty Pines, with the lead singer Neil Salsich, um, and they competed on NBC's The Voice, and then Vela La Vela, and We Are Root Mod.
0: Wow, it's amazing. All the things going on at... Uh at uh, WWT Raceway, so uh, you're going to get a big bang for your buck there this weekend.
2: Uh, most certainly. Okay,
0: NAS- NASCAR has uh, is ringing in their 100th National Series race in Illinois this weekend, dating back to 1954. It's uh weekend the sport will run its 100th and 101st National Series race in the state of Illinois. Uh, at Worldwide Technology Raceway. They return for the Craftsman Truck Series race on Saturday, and the Cup Series race <coughs> excuse me, will take place on Sunday. It's the fifth different track in the great state of Illinois that has hosted a National Series event. Uh, the Cup Series first competed in the state of Illinois Uh, In July of 1954, at Santa Fe Speedway, a half-mile dirt track located in Willow Springs, Illinois, the event had 23 cars entered and was scheduled for 200 laps, or 100 miles. Dick Rathman won the race driving that 1954 Hudson for car owner John Ditts. It wasn't until two years later that the Cup Series returned to the state of Illinois, Uh, This time it was at the famous Soldier Field in Chicago. That was July 21st of 56. The Cup Series saw 25 cars compete in the half-mile paved track inside the stadium for 200 laps or 100 miles. The race was won by Hall of Famer Fireball Roberts driving a Ford for car owner Peter DiPaolo. The Cup Series also competed at Chicagoland Speedway from 2001 to 19 for 19 races, and in total there have been 99 National Series races in the state of Illinois among five different tracks. Cup Series made 22 starts in the state of Illinois and has competed in four of those five tracks. <clears throat> Again, uh, Man, I... go ahead.
1: As I say, I'm sorry, I didn't realize there was another section to this, but I love these history sections.
0: Yeah, it really gives you a flavor for what happens. Uh, And I'm from Illinois, so I I really enjoy this section as well. Uh, Let's start at the bottom. Soldier Field had that one race we talked about in 1956. Same thing with Santa Fe Speedway, just one race in 1954. Cicero had uh, two truck series races in uh the year of 2000 worldwide technology raceway <clears throat> had the one cup race last year uh they've had 15 xfinity and 22 Cup truck series races for a total of 35 races uh they're dating back to 1997 and again dating back to 2001 uh Chicagoland Speedway out in Joliet had 19 cup races, 24 Xfinity, 11 truck races, for a combined 57 races in total. So uh, it's a, it, those are pretty cool segments.
1: And I'll tell you this. I, I, I thought about it when we, we did the Coliseum race at uh, L.A., uh, my dad talks about that, going to the race at uh, Soldier Field, and they did it back in the <laughs> 1956. Uh, that's just unbelievable.
0: It is. It is. I always uh, think about that, too. Uh, a lot of people don't know that we raced at Soldier Field.
1: Well, we are back for more as the NASCAR Cup Series returns to Worldwide Technology Raceway. After what they had an outstanding debut last season, NASCAR Cup Series will be returning to the Worldwide Technology Raceway for this weekend's Enjoy Illinois 300, presented by Ticket Smarter. It will be this Sunday, June 4th. Again, it will be at 3.30 Eastern, covered on FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM radio. It's the 15th race of the 26th regular season. The Worldwide, Ra- Worldwide Technology Raceway is located in Madison, Illinois, which is just outside of St. Louis. Uh, it was originally built as a drag strip and road course in 1985 and originally known as the St. Louis International Raceway Park. And in 1994, the new ownership acquired the track. The existing tracks of the drag strip and road course demolished over the course of 1995 and 96 and that new oval speedway and drag strip drag strip were constructed. The current 1.25-mile oval that is Worldwide Technology Raceway has unique shape and different degrees of banking in each set of turns. And the back stretch is confined to run parallel with Illinois Route 203, making turns 1 and 2 a tighter radius than 3 and 4. Turns 1 and 2 have similar characteristics to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, while turns 3 and 4 are similar to Phoenix Raceway. The track's egg-shaped and mimics the legendary Darlington Raceway. The facility now has more than 700 acres welcoming fans this weekend. We mentioned the first NASCAR National Series event held at Worldwide Technology Raceway. It was a NASCAR Xfinity Series race held on June 26, 1997, and Elliot Sadler won that event. Now, while this will be only the second NASCAR Cup Series event this weekend at the 1.25-mile track, WWTR has hosted 15 NASCAR Xfinity Series races from 1997 to 2010 and 22 NASCAR Crash and Truck Series races from 1998 to 2010 and then 2014 to 2022. Now it's Team Penske's Joey Logano as the one and only defending winner of the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series race at WWTR, one of 19 different tracks the Connecticut native has won on in the in the series. Eight driver, eight other drivers entered this weekend have won in either the NASCAR Xfinity Series or NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at Worldwide Technology Raceway. That's led by Kevin Harvick, who won three NASCAR National Series wins at the 1.25-mile track, and the Xfinity in 2000 and 2001, and the Craftsman Truck Series in 2010. He's followed by Christopher Bell, who picked up a Truck Series race there in 2016, Kyle Busch, the Xfinity race in 2009, Ross Chastain was in the trucks in 2019, Justin Haley also in the trucks in 2018, Brad Keselowski got the Xfinity Series win in 2010. Martin Truex Jr. got the Xfinity Series win in 2004. And it was Bubba Wallace in 2014 in the trucks. They each have that one victory. Now, all, all on-track action begins for the NASCAR Cup Series this weekend. Uh, practice and Bushlight pole qualifying will be a Saturday, June 3rd at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Now, we'll be covered on FS1.
0: Okay. Well, we got it all in, Jay, and we've only got four minutes to spare, so uh, less than four minutes to spare, so uh, I I think we'll just uh, maybe kick right into NASCAR Hot Topics, because uh, I'll tell you what, we've got uh, some things to talk about. It's just going to be you and I, so I'm hoping we can be done uh, by, you know, by the end here, uh, with just about 30 minutes or so. Uh, but if not, that's okay too. But, uh, let's go ahead and kick into our hot topic sound off segment.
1: All right. Well, on, uh, what we did our podcast on Tuesday morning to afternoon, uh, we talked about the possibility <laughs> and what we thought on a possible chase Elliott suspension. And uh, it wasn't very long after we got done with the show when uh, I know I was in the vehicle, I put it up, uh, listening to Elton Sawyer come on to Sirius XM with Dave Moody and make the announcement. They have indeed suspended Chase Elliott for one race due to his actions on track there at Charlotte.
0: Yeah, and there's quite a discussion here about it. I think uh, most of us, Jay, were pretty much... uh, Uh, in favor of of thinking that Chase Elliott should have been suspended. Uh, I know you were probably most favorable uh, to uh, Chase Elliott. The rest of us were pretty upset with him. Uh, But go ahead and give your thoughts about it uh, now that you know that he has indeed been suspended.
1: Well, uh, I'll go back to Monday and and I watched uh, Tuesday when we talked about it. I had watched multiple replays I know Denny Hamlin posted the SMT data, and and here's why I had the stance I did at that point. Um, Data can be used to persuade, I'll I'll say that. Uh, You know, you -hmm. you can look at it in a couple different ways. Um, I said that if NASCAR chose to, I understood why they did. There was enough evidence to lean that way. I will say I have seen a particular straight-on shot, more straight-on than I had seen, where I would have to bump it up to about 90% that Chase Elliott was, did that intentionally. I'll still give him a 10% benefit of the doubt. Um, but there was one straight-on angle that I guess I had not seen as Mike had commented on it of the car straightened out, and then it was the, the left turn of, of a hard left turn. So um, I do support NASCAR in their decision, as a, a HMS does, is they're not going to appeal it. The one thing I took, and I appreciate Mike being one that was at the forefront, to not show favoritism. I know this is NASCAR's most popular driver. The storyline was he came back from injury. Uh, you know, If they're going to be consistent and say, hey, they feel it was intentional and going to do it, the action needs to be the same, which has been um, a one-race suspension. So I like that, and I really do applaud Mike for Chase Elliott being his guy. He said, hey, that was wrong. Uh, Mike's pretty mad about it. He actually thinks he ought to not be playoff eligible, but I believe that will not become a factor as again, based on history, they haven't taken you out of, out of the playoffs. And that too, I guess I understand of it is a behavioral suspension for the one race. They want to make the point and punish you, but not destroy your year or, you know, a career. So I think that not taking them out of the playoffs I can understand that. I know some fans might not understand that, and especially being that it's for a behavioral issue.
0: Yeah, I think if they were to have a repeat incident, uh, then NASCAR might have to take it a little bit further. But, yeah, for the one incident, I think we'll kind of – i think they are being consistent i know that was one of andy's comments uh in our team's chat he said kudos to nascar for a consistent decision i like it uh and i i guess uh <clears throat> let's see if i can find any other comments here from i don't see any other comments from mike other than as it relates to the replacements but uh uh, I do think that Mike, you're right. He was pretty much in favor of a of a suspension right from the very beginning. He felt that there should have been a, uh, should not even be a waiver. He should not be eligible for the championship. But I think that would have been inconsistent for NASCAR to do that. Uh, I think they want these drivers to be eligible uh, to uh, contend for a championship. But I've always also been in favor of if you've got people that are are doing things that are are not uh, championship uh, behavior, uh, that they should not win a championship. Uh, And uh, I I still kind of feel that way. Uh, Champions don't do these kinds of things, or at least they're not supposed to. Um, My only thing was I felt that, and I said this on Tuesday as well, is that I don't think that – I think – uh Chase Elliott did what he did in retaliation for what Denny Hamlin did originally. Uh I know the hooking is a very serious uh incident that takes place on the track and can cause uh some significant damage and maybe possible injury uh to a driver. So, uh I think NASCAR did the right thing by by giving the suspension to Chase Elliott. I do think a waiver is likely. We'll see what what uh, NASCAR does in regard to that, but I felt that Denny Hamlin should have been penalized as well, and perhaps a one race suspension for him. Um, he he precipitated uh, the reaction from Chase Elliott. By pushing him up into the wall. And I think that that is a behavior that also needs to stop in NASCAR. I know why drivers do it. I know some people do it better than others. Uh, but intentionally pushing drivers up toward the wall and not giving them that space, I think is not a talented way to race this, uh, to race at NASCAR's top level. So in my mind, I feel like Denny Hamlin deserve to get that uh, suspension as well um we'll see if it continues to be a practice in nascar i i think if it does continue to be a practice where drivers push drivers up into the wall and they they hit that wall as a result of being pushed up there i, I think nascar needs to really take a look at that and and penalize drivers for doing that as well it's one thing to to, to uh you know uh, do the side drafting or, or to push them up and give them less room. But when they do it to the point that the driver loses control of the car and they end up in the wall uh, and it ends their day, <clears throat> then I think that driver should be suspended as well. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll cover the replacements in the next go-around. <laughs> but Jay, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, my first thought here is we might not uh, be able to get this done in 30 minutes because just while you were talking there, there are several things, though, that I think that, that come into play um, that you hit on. First off, Andy, Andy Petrie on uh, NASCAR Race, have talked about it, of right now he's okay with the one-race suspension, but you mentioned it. If it happens again, especially with another uh, driver of a second time, Yes, that Uh needs to be ramped up, and I think NASCAR will because they are very serious about this. Um, I know on Tuesday we all kind of agreed Mm -hmm. Denny Hamlin should not be the driver talking about how what NASCAR should do with other drivers and their etiquette and driving. Uh, You know, he's not to be the spokesman for that. Um, We all kind of agreed on that. But you mentioned um, the. We call it i, I grew up with we, we called it drifting um sliding up the track and not giving the driver a whole lot of room on the outside brad kezlowski talked about that when he was on race hub saying with this uh, next gen car that it is more difficult to hold it down to the bottom especially if your car isn't really set up for that and that you need that room he wasn't condoning it but he said from the driver's aspect it is tougher to turn that car, it wants to go up the track like that a lot more than the uh, next Gen 6 car did. And what I don't want to see is, and we've talked about this over several years, I think, I don't want to see it where NASCAR is involved any time two cars touch, whether or not it's intentional, whether or not they need to be penalized and basically a steward of racing as we see in some other sports. I don't want to see it come to that, and that's where I'm afraid things like this might, you know, what you're talking about of if you ran them up the wall, okay, then they got to make a judgment call on did they give them enough room. Uh, I just don't want to see it become where NASCAR is too involved in uh, guys racing hard, you know, or again, the the tightness of the car as Brad Keselowski alluded to.
0: Yeah, my only thing with that is that I think that this emboldens a driver like Denny Hamlin uh, to do it over and over and over again. Uh, we know he did it in with Ross Chastain. We, he's a vindictive driver. He has a history of being that kind of a driver, and uh, I, I think by not saying something or doing something with Denny Hamlin at this go-around, I think it emboldens him to do it more often. Uh, we'll see how it plays out uh, and and everything. And I, I hear the point that Brad Keselowski makes. I think he makes a really good point. And I agree with you, Jay. I don't want to see NASCAR doing this uh judgment call on whether or not it was something intentionally done or not either but you've got people drivers like denny hamlin that are going to push that envelope i trust me i just know it's going to be pushed and i do think that he's going to push it to a point that it is going to have to be addressed by nascar um now i also want to mention that corey lajoy is going to fill in for Chase Elliott uh, for this weekend at the track. Corey LaJoy did come out kind of defending uh, Chase Elliott and not thinking that there should have been a penalty for him. Uh, But I feel like he's biased uh, by the fact that he was asked by Hendrick Motorsports before making those statements that he um, uh, is going to have a natural bias uh, for Elliott. So, I do think that um, most people uh, can definitely see that uh, that that penalty is called for, and that NASCAR did the right thing here um, and I do think that Cor uh, joy i hope he, uh, I'm happy for him getting this opportunity uh, to be in good equipment and to show his uh, talent on the track. Uh, and I'm excited for Carson Hosefar who's going to be driving and filling in for of Joy and that number seven for Spire Motorsports as well. So, um, <clears throat> again, I just don't think NASCAR went far enough. I think that Denny Hamlin's going to push that envelope, and I think we're going to see more of him uh, crowding drivers up into that wall. I think they're giving him the benefit of the doubt here.
1: Well, and being that we moved into the fill-in portion of it, yeah, uh, this is one of those out of a a situation, some good things develop. Um, I know a lot of people, when the rumor even possibly started or expectation of Chase Elliott being suspended, a lot of people were campaigning for Matt DiBenedetto to fill in. I was a little surprised that Corey LaJoy got the call. However, I thought back in history, uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, Sharon, help me out. When Jimmy Johnson retired, I know there was a big thing about Corey LeJoy hand-wrote a a letter to uh, Rick Hendrick of uh, Hendrick Motorsports justifying why he felt he deserved the ride and whatnot. Um, So there's always been a relationship there. And, yeah, a lot of people, and we've seen it this year especially, I think, Corey the Joy outperforming, and this is not against Fire Motorsports. We just we know where they're at as a team. Um, they're in the building process, but I think he has outperformed what the capabilities of that car uh, is or that team. So uh, well deserved as far as getting an opportunity. You hate that it comes under this type of situation, but it will be interesting. And then on the other side, uh, I talked about this on Tuesday. I was really impressed with Carson Hosovar in the truck series. He showed some maturity and not wrecking the field um, when he could have. And then his performance in the Xfinity series getting a top 10 when he ran there um, as well. So I'm actually just as excited to see Carson Hosovar uh, at the cup series level as I am to see Corey LaJoy get this start in the number nine uh, Hendrick Motorsports car.
0: Yeah, and I want to include this statement uh also from Andy in our team's chat. He says I just watched all the replays. It was 100% the correct call to suspend. Elliot's actions were not befitting of a former champion at all in capital letters. Hammond's lucky that he didn't get hurt. It's a complete BS move by Elliot. So, uh again, we want to make sure we represent our comrades that are not here. Uh, our fan for racing crew members that aren't here. And again, I was looking for something from uh, Mike. Uh, the only thing I saw from Mike is, uh, I guess it's good that Josh Barry, uh, I guess, good, I guess, getting Josh Barry from Portland was a bit much to ask. Uh, big break for LaJoy to show what he's got in top equipment. And that's about the only thing I saw from Mike on here.
1: Yeah, I really thought there was a, was some other from Mike as well, but you're right. It, it had to do with Josh Berry not being available, being out in uh, out in Oregon. Um, overall, again, it's a, it's a window that is open. You know, Josh Berry had the same situation. He didn't want to uh, see somebody else get hurt, but was a recipient of that. Uh, I know it's only one race. I uh, hope that Corey LeJoy doesn't um, overdo it, and we've talked about this. Anytime you have a sub driver or somebody – you know having that opportunity don't try to overdo it by thinking it's your one and only shot to prove something and you end up making right. a mistake
0: yeah take good care of the equipment is the main thing <laughs> that says a lot to a to an owner okay uh, I'm going to go and move on then to this next penalty, probably the biggest penalty that NASCAR has ever given out. Uh, the hammer was dropped on the number 14 team for counterfeiting a Gen 7 part. Uh, Mike says here, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the hardest penalty NASCAR has issued to date regarding that Gen 7 car. Uh, And I think that's been pretty much confirmed uh, from some of the media members here. Uh, But here's the thing. They took a part uh, and totally remade that part and actually went to the point of actually putting spec stickers on that part that they made themselves. Uh, So that tells me that this was pretty much intentional, uh, that they would recreate the part and then put – uh, spec stickers on it to try to fool NASCAR. NASCAR uh randomly takes cars to their R and D center after the race and uh they uh chose the number fourteen car this weekend. I don't think they expected to find that. Now sometimes they do kind of suspect that there's something going on and so they'll they'll select that car to be randomly taken in and inspected. That's NASCAR's discretion to do that, but I don't think that this is a huge do not do with all of the conversation that has been uh put out there about uh you don't mess with the spec parts period. Uh and yet they did that. So Uh, Andy Lasky says it's amazing that even cheating uh, they still ran like complete crap on the intermediate tracks this year. Zero sympathy and he is a big Chase Prisco fan. Uh, I'll hold them as accountable as everybody else you get caught bending the rules you price. This I think will kill their season so maybe it's um, it's for the best as they look to rebuild for next year. Outside of the short tracks, they've been awful of this year. Maybe this is happening for the best. Uh, Mike, uh, well, I'll let you represent Mike on this, Jay, because I want to hear your thoughts.
1: All right. Well, I'll go through go through Mike's first. Uh, you know, he said he knew uh, Ford allegedly had some aero disadvantages but there were some Fords that were fast this weekend. He was kind of uh, agreeing with Andy of uh, even if they do win, it's a what to what point um, kind of thing that Tony used to talk, Tony Stewart used to talk about, because you have kind of uh, ruined your entire year. I believe it's a 25, point play, 25 playoff point. So even if you fi- win five races, get those 25 points, uh, you're starting at zero. So they are in a very deep hole, and this is where Um, Going back to the other penalty, too. NASCAR doesn't necessarily want to destroy their season, but they want to make it hard to overcome. And this one, a very specific uh, hard line in the sand that NASCAR said don't do, um, certainly they're going to make it extremely difficult for them to overcome um, with this penalty, as it is the biggest one we have seen so far. Yeah, let me just reiterate uh,
0: what that penalty is, Jay. Jay. Uh, The 14-team was docked 120 points in both the owner's standings and the driver's standings. Uh, Chase Briscoe had an additional loss of 25 playoff points should Briscoe and the team qualify for the postseason. And a $250,000 fine and suspension in the next six points paying races to Crew Chief John Klausmeier. So uh, I neglected to mention that in the uh, opening here, but that is a hefty, hefty uh, penalty for that team. Okay, yeah, you can go ahead.
1: Well, and again, it's not, not said very often, but I will say this. I wish Mike was here to help explain this in more detail. Um, it has to do with, and I don't have the proper term, But the airflow underneath the car, I can't think of what they called that part. No, I was trying to look and pull it up of what part it was. It
0: it had to do with the – let me see if I can find it here.
1: I know it's the new airflow underneath the car. That's why I said I was trying to find the right word. Yeah, exactly. It's an
0: airflow duct underneath the car. Uh, Let's see. The NACA ducts were single-source supplied parts. For the next-gen car, and may not be modified or counterfeited. The rule book spells out the location for these ducts on the left and right side windows, which are used to help cool the car. Tightening the ducts or counterfeiting, modifying the size of the ducts, can help a team create more downforce to the race car. In a post-race inspection at the R&D Center, they found the 14 car had an engine panel NACA duct, not in compliance with the rule book. It was a counterfeit part that resulted in the L3 penalty. Uh, Let's see if I can find any other information that tells us – well, that tells us pretty much what it was and where it's located.
1: Okay, and, and that was uh, that one came from uh, the tweet uh, Mike uh, reposted was from uh, Jeff Gluck. Uh, I don't know if that's the one you were reading, but it was almost word for word. And it leads to the uh, the, the rear diffuser. There's the word I was looking for, the rear there you diffuser. Go. Um, now, going into this, and Andy Petrie, uh, who is with RCR, talked about this. Uh, first off, I'll go with the statement from SHR, which was that it was a lapse in quality control, a part that should uh, went on the car but should not have stayed on the car and got, gone out onto the racetrack. And you mentioned it, it wasn't modifying a part to make it fit or work better. It was the creation of a copy of NASCARs. And here again, I know you might laugh at me, but I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit um, If there was something that there was a problem with they were having, they said, the the heat in the car to try and allow more airflow into the car for driver comfort, it may have been, and I will say may have been, that they were looking to design something and then take it to NASCAR and say, hey, we think we can improve this. Will you look at it? Okay? So just, like I said, devil's advocate. If that's the possibility. They wanted Why did to try and develop something to spec
0: stickers on it.
1: I like I said, that's, <laughs> you got you got the <laughs> other side to it, and I hadn't I hadn't heard. I honestly hadn't heard that that it actually had spec stickers on it. So uh, you got your argument on your side. I, there's no doubt about that. Second off of then the mistake, if you will, and I'm using air quotes, of it getting left on the car and going through the race. Um, You know, these are top-tier teams. They know what they're doing. You're testing it and looking at it. Of, I would think it would be clearly marked of test product or something, kept in a separate place to say this is what we're working on. And and like I said, this is purely my thought process in possibly understanding or justifying why it happened. Um, And I'm not saying it's a great one or a strong one to stand on but it could have been that they were trying something that they wanted to take to NASCAR and say, Hey, we'd like to see an improvement made on this. Um, The mistake then of regardless intentional or not letting it stay on the car and get raised. Yeah. That's bad on them. And they got to suffer the consequences of it. Uh, So yeah, I don't dispute the penalty by any means. And this is one of those, again, a hard line in the sand NASCAR has said, do not mess with, you know, we go back even in the old days, it was don't mess with the tires, don't mess with the engine, um, and these guys are doing that, and it's going to come down hard like we saw.
0: Yes, indeed. I'm trying to find the tweet where I saw that. It was from a reputable uh, media person. I can't remember if it was Bob Pachras or if it was um, Jeff, but there was a post that was put out. I'll see if I can find it, and I'll repost it. Um that uh, indicated that they put spec uh, stickers on that uh, counterfeit part, uh, and so that gives some gives me skepticism about uh, what their story is around it. it. It may be all of those things, but why in the world would they put spec parts on spec spec stickers on it uh, if that was the case? So I, I am skeptical of what they've said. Um, and I can't seem to find it right now, uh, but if I do find that, I will repost it so that you can see what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> okay.
1: Well, and, and Sharon, that goes okay, back to the, the it no says, appeal. It, Okay. Uh,
0: NASCAR would only catch this at the R and D center. They fabricated a piece. Which would have markings from the manufacturer to look like the supplied par- duct, but it did not fit the template, according to Sawyer. And um, it, uh, it didn't ha- it did not That's a different one. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> okay, I'm still looking for it, but uh, that, that's how they found the piece. It, it didn't fit the specs. That it should have that uh, for a spec piece uh but oh here it is it says nascar this is from jeff gluck nascar says the engine panel duck was counterfeit so not just modified if i understand correctly it was a part they created and passed off as real with labeling and everything so they labeled it uh, to be a spec part And everything else uh i'm gonna go ahead and retweet this now so that you can see uh what we're talking about here. uh they had labeling and everything on there to make it look like it was a spec part when it was not
1: well that doesn't uh my my side of playing devil- devil's advocate owes oh, is a whole lot of uh, ground then yeah uh if you're putting the stickers on it to, to fully make it look real because that obviously wouldn't affect anything if they were to try and just develop something else that was an improvement um there would be no no need to have the uh stickers on it so i guess i'll just keep yeah. my mouth shut there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but the, it came from a question the, the person says was it counterfeit or was it modified and uh, NASCAR's terminology was that it was counterfeit. Uh, but Jeff Gluck included this. He, he says but what he understands from uh, hearing everybody, it was a part they created and passed off as real with labeling and everything. So, yeah, that, that's that's a whole different story right there. Uh, yeah,
1: most certainly. If, if you're putting the, the, the label on it of, of that, uh, like I said, I can no longer even try to attempt to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt because at that point, like I said, the, if you're if you're testing the part as it were, if you're trying to produce a new one or a, a different one, um, the label on it wouldn't make any difference. So that it really does imply that they had the intent to get away with it, um, and that goes back to, to Andy and Mike's point of though if you're going to do something to uh to cheat you might want to run a little bit better with it uh doesn't do any good to cheat and still finish <laughs> towards the back
0: <laughs> that's right um uh it, it if you if you're going to cheat uh let's make sure it gives you an advantage and not a disadvantage uh but and they they do uh, talk extensively here too in the chat that uh Stewart-Haas Racing has been struggling uh so you know it does look bad when you have a park that's completely counterfeit and try to pass it off as something that's a spec park uh it it doesn't uh it does not bode well for the organization Um, Another post here from Jeff Clark that Mike posted specifically looks like an issue was with an engine panel duct that was a counterfeit part. NASCAR says modifying the size of the duct could help a team create more downforce. So they didn't just modify it, they completely counterfeited it and tried to pass it off as a spec part, uh, just to be
1: clear. the only, the only, yeah, and that I had heard that that it wasn't just a modifying it to make it fit or something or trimming something off of it. It was a, a completely um, separate rebuild or copy, counterfeit if you're using that word. The, the reason I, I that I even had the thought was that we think back to um, Brad Keselowski's team when they were doing something different with the tire than what NASCAR had approved. When they took it from them and the, the, all the details got explained, NASCAR went and said, hey, that does improve things and work, so we're going to let it out to everybody, and that's where I was felt like maybe that's what they were trying to do, but you put in there the fact that they were putting uh, the you know, official sticker on it and then trying to do it, yeah, that, that kind of takes away from that, but... Um, there is still that thought of, hey, if the teams are saying, hey, we got something we can approve upon, take it to NASCAR for approval um, and get it approved is one thing, but to to try and slide it by as a, as a, the official part is, they got what they deserved.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I totally agree here. I think they got what they should have gotten, and I'm glad that NASCAR came down with a hammer. Uh, on it, because uh, it's they've just made it so clear from the very beginning. part of the problem here is you're you're uh, dealing with a uh, organizational change and culture you're changing the culture within the organization, and <clears throat> this goes along with the old old fan of NASCAR versus the new fan of NASCAR, and I think Pete Pistone put out a uh, tweet about this as well. Uh, The old fans uh, feel like it should be, if you ain't cheating, you're not trying kind of mentality uh, and culture, where the new fans are saying, no, we got to follow the rules, and they want the rules in place, and they want, well, I think it should be uh, you got to follow the rules if you want to win a championship in this sport. Uh, <clears throat> and so I do think that NASCAR made the right call here. But this is a hard change for a lot of these organizations, and I do get that. Uh, but they've got to drop the if you ain't cheating, you're not trying mentality uh, within the sport for this day and age. Uh, we are in a day and age where it's just not right to crown a champion who has been cheating all season long. And I've never been in favor of that. And I I, I think that this is a move in the right direction.
1: I understand, and, and as always, and I fall kind of in the middle of that. Uh, the full, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, that mentality does need to go away. But I've said this before, when they went with this next-gen car, and I understand where they get as far as the, the cost, and we've talked about that with sponsorship and everything else, kind of a cost-saving measure, trying to improve competition on the track. I get that side of it. But I would like to see them have a little bit bigger window where the crew chiefs can make some adjustments and have some uh, workability within the set of rules. I'm not saying they can't go outside the, or can go outside the rules. I, I don't want to see or at least not at this level of the uh, outlaw, what run, what you brung uh, type deal. Um, <laughs> but give them a little bit of flexibility or maneuverability so that teams can, if they put in the time and effort, find that little bit of an advantage, um, but was still within a set of rules. Um, yeah. I just I think, think that it's, it's getting to the point. What's Go that? ahead.
0: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go I, ahead.
1: I just I, I think it's gotten to a point where it's almost and and I go back to the what the IROC series when it when it was here of all cars exactly the same. Um, you know, that didn't last for a reason. I, I just I like the window of being able to maneuver around and get some adjustability but then you still have the rules of hey don't go outside the box. Um I just think they can make the box a little bit bigger.
0: Yeah, I I disagree. And, and the reason I disagree is you got to go back to the whole reason why they came up with the Gen 7 car. The cost of doing business has become so exorbitant uh, that they had to find ways uh, to bring parity to the sport, and they've done that. We had all these different winners last year. We've got a lot of different winners again this year, and... <clears throat> And parity in the sport, I think, is really, really important if we want new teams to come into the sport or if we want the existing teams to stay in this sport. Uh, So NASCAR had to bring parity to the sport. uh, And that is why uh, the rules are as stiff as they are as well, because – Uh, you've got these bigger teams that can afford people to create these parts and make these modifications or whatever, where the smaller guy doesn't have that ability to do that. So I really think uh, that if they want to stay true to their purpose of having the Gen 7 car and creating parity in this sport, Uh, I think it has to be the way that it is. Uh, There is no room for modifications, and that's period. period. And and I'm in favor of them not opening that window because it's going to be the bigger teams that are going to be able to do that. And, again, you've got the smaller teams that can't. So um, the parity is a good thing, I think, in NASCAR.
1: And I do that certainly is the benefit. You're right. And I do like that seeing these teams that can come in uh, for the same reason that I don't like the uh, necessarily fully support the uh, charter system of it's harder for a new team to come in. Uh, We've talked about Spire Motorsports and what they're trying to build to become more competitive, you know, and as this is one where as a Jeff Gordon fan, I wasn't necessarily a fan when he was winning 10, 12 races a year, Uh, and having the championship locked up, you know, 10 races uh, or five races to go in the season. I would rather win one race but still win the championship just based on weekly competitiveness. um, Certainly adds to the sport. So that's why I said I appreciate that and that NASCAR did do a good job with that. I know specifically when you talk about that of the cost, Uh, the teams that could afford wind tunnel time were spending it, that could afford to go test at all these other tracks. I get that. I, I agreed with them cutting back on that. And it does fall into, a, you know, you give them any kind of window. You're right. The the bigger teams are still going to spend that money in that area then. We went through the pit gun uh, deal um, yeah. with that of developing their own pit gun. So, But I don't think you can ever completely take that away, nor do I want it to go to completely away. That's why I said I'm in the middle. I, I don't want to see the, you know, he who with the most money wins just because he can outspend you. Uh, I don't want to see it become that, or it kind of already is that, but um, bring it back to a more competitive level. Because you're right, over the past couple years, the competitiveness on track amongst the teams has been great. We talk about that every year. Are we going to get 16 different uh, race winners Mm -hmm. and fill up our playoff field that way? I I do like that. So I understand the direction they're going. I just, Like I said, I don't want to see them get too restrictive where it becomes uh, (laughs) a... IROC series.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on, Jay. Um, One other topic on the agenda here, I think, for today, and that's the championship week returning to Phoenix for the 2024 season. Um, Your thoughts about that subject?
1: Well, and this one should be a quick one. I look in here. I don't think anybody else had chimed in on that one, so we'll have to get uh, the rest of the fan for racing group uh, opinion on that on uh, our next show on Monday, I guess. But for me, uh, it's great. I think Phoenix has done a phenomenal job, just as Miami did. I am one that, on a semi-rotation basis, whatever it be, three to five years, I would like to see him change it up. And I know when it comes to the championship weekend, we're limited on uh, tracks that are capable of it as far as weather, or at least projected weather, um, so that there's a, a Restriction there, um, but I think Phoenix has done a good job. I look forward to it again this year. If they can look at it of three to five years, can we find another location just so that it does change it up and somebody doesn't get the advantage of mastering that track? I mean, and obviously they still got to get into the playoffs and be in the championship four when it comes time for that race. I know the one advantage I like with Miami Homestead, and a lot of drivers talked about that was. They only race there the once a year. So it wasn't like they could test it in the spring or early race just, to, you know, as they prepare for that because they went there twice a year. Um, but I also understand, like I said, of there's a lot of things that go into it of, you know, if, you, if you're setting it up for that, having it on a three- to five-year plan, uh, I can appreciate that and understand that from the logistics. I know Mike talks about that. Uh, as well as fans um, make that plan – you know a couple of years ahead of time they may not be able to say, "Hey, I can go this year, let me go get pack my bags on Friday and go um plan ahead, so having it for a multi year uh, makes sense from that aspect too um but i I'm still in favor of at least every several several years um like I said, three to five is a good window of change it up, and again, it keeps it fresh if you will,
0: yes indeed i I'm in favor of it being again at uh, Phoenix Raceway as well. Uh, I think they've done a really good job of having that championship race. I I think maybe after this year it might be time to, to move it to a different track. Uh, but I think they've done a really good job. We know the weather is going to be good there, and that's one of the problems they had at Homestead is they didn't always have good weather uh, for that championship race, so uh, I think they're doing the right thing and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, watching another uh, championship race out at Phoenix Raceway. In fact, I hope they do it one more year because uh, John and I, my my uh, brother, we've been going. We went to uh, Las Vegas last year. We're going back to Las Vegas this fall, and uh, I did make a request. I said, "Next year, can we make it out to Phoenix instead of Las Vegas? Because uh, I would love to go to a championship race out there at Phoenix."
1: Yeah, and that's why I said. Uh, that you're right, uh, and that's why I say. A three- to five-year program of, of uh, a track hosting it, and I know when you get into the on-track, Phoenix uh, always delivers good racing. Um, so I know Miami went through a couple of stretches where the races uh, weren't exactly competitive, but that track developed um, into one of the better um, intermediate tracks, uh, and I don't know if that had to do with the once-per-year. And that is something when I look at it of, again, I, I'm not in charge of scheduling, but just for example, say they were to move it to Las Vegas, which is one that has been discussed, then take their second raceway. If they host the championship weekend, give that yeah. second race to say an Iowa Speedway or something where championship weekend is a one-time visit per year for those five years. And that would allow you to open up some other markets, Um, like I said, Las Vegas currently hosts two races. If they get the championship weekend, say in 2025, that opens up that other date they have, give that to another track for that same time period. Uh, I think there could be some benefits to it, but I also understand it would be an extreme change to the schedule and logistics and fitting it in. So It's just a thought.
0: Yep, Yep, I agree with you. I think it's a good thought. Uh, I don't have anything else on the schedule. Did you have anything else you want to make sure we talked about today?
1: No, I think we have covered them. And again, uh, I know some of we will probably revisit again a little bit on, uh, on Monday on our next hot topic show, uh, when we get some other of uh, the fan for racing members in, um, I know Mike, Mike actually is on vacation, so he might even be silent to notice on the, uh, on the group chat, but, uh, we always appreciate Mike's input. Even if I don't always agree with it, I always appreciate his input. And I say, I actually missed him today, because he definitely provides some more technical experience than I got.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, I missed both Andy and Mike today, and uh, we'll look forward to having them back sometime next week, and we hope Tommy gets a chance uh, to be back on the show sometime soon as well. So, uh just know that we do miss you guys and uh, Jay. Uh, you want to do your uh, sign off here?
1: All right. Uh, you can follow me on social media. Uh, Facebook is Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Hopefully, we're through these weather issues, but we are scheduled for your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, with the Comp Cam Super Late Models this weekend. So I get to work with my friend Wesley as he comes down with the comp cams. Uh, we always have a blast doing uh, back and forth there when we got two of us in the booth.
0: Okay, and I'm Racing Site on Twitter, Fan4Racing Blog and Radio over on Facebook, and then, of course, our website, banforacing.com. <laughs> where I will be posting our podcast player for you to listen to our show for today. Um, And thank you for bearing with us uh, for this week. uh, Due to some scheduling issues, we had to do the podcast this week. So we appreciate all of our listeners, uh, and we will be back to our live broadcast for next week uh... so i'm thinking salsa yellow is going to join us on monday you never know he's had some work issues that have kind of taken him away from the show here lately uh... so i might ask jay for you to be on standby for next week uh... but uh... i'm pretty sure we can do the preview show on thursday i know i've got some other scheduling conflicts coming up so you might see us doing more podcasts than usual but um We'll try to make all of this work uh, so that we get all of our shows in uh, to the uh, queue here. So uh, uh, shout out to you, Jay, for being flexible and doing the podcast with me today. And uh, we'll look forward to the weekend of racing. We've got two different tracks and four different races to watch, so it should be a lot of fun.
1: Most certainly a lot of good racing going on this weekend. I know, uh, I think Andy is one that asked you, you you had possibly going to go to Gateway and aren't, uh, sorry, WWTR, um, not able to. Uh, That's one that is on my bucket list as well. And unfortunately, my schedule, it almost overlapped. I'm going to go home, I think, to Minnesota the week after. So, yeah, I wasn't able to hit it in route either.
0: Yeah, I would love it if Andy could meet us there. Uh, Maybe next year we can plan for that uh, over at WWT Raceway, uh, also known as Gateway, uh, and uh, maybe we can make it a fan for racing uh, event. I know that last year they were limited in space. I didn't even request it this year because my schedule is just so crazy uh, that I haven't even been able to think about going to a racetrack yet. Um, but, uh, maybe that's one we can put in the books for next year.
1: Well, I hope so. Uh, we got such a good crew here at fan for racing, uh, led and a Sharon, we appreciate you, uh, you know, having this platform for us, but, uh, maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity. I know I've been thrilled with it in the, what, coming up on four or five years already that I've been doing it, and I know you and Sal got a much longer history.
0: Yes, Alan, I started uh, November of 2011. Our first full season was the 2012 season, so, um Yeah. It's been a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed it, and that's why we make these extra efforts to make sure we get the show in uh, because we do miss it uh, when we don't do the show, so I'm going to try to avoid that. I know we had one already this year, but I'm going to try to avoid that uh, at all costs for the future.
1: Well, I'm glad to help out. Uh, you know, again, the afternoons actually for this this past couple, of, as you mentioned, uh, worked for me as well, so I appreciate you be working with me as far as that. Uh, I know you had some one scheduling conflict as well, but, uh, again, just a shout-out to the entire team here. Uh, I know Andy and Mike and James, Sam, uh, who am I missing, Owen and Tommy. Owen,
0: Tommy, yeah. Yeah, I I appreciate our crew here. It's been a lot of fun, and, and the fact that they keep coming back every year is just icing on the cake for me. Um, and uh, even Brian, I know Brian hasn't been able to have been on here recently, but uh, I'm hoping uh, we can change that uh, direction and get him on here more often at some point here in the future. So uh, I, I, I really enjoy our fan for racing crew here. Thank you.
1: All right, and we will talk to you on Monday then.
0: Okay, we'll call it a, a day then. Enjoy the race weekend, everybody.